Today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to totalsucker.robinhood.com. That's totalsucker.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hello and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's looking more athletic than usual. (laughs) His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I wish you meant that the way I want you to mean that, but it's after the holidays. (laughs) I know what I've eaten, so I know what you mean by it. Yes, I guess I am looking more athletic, as are you, my friend. So we have a little announcement. We do. Um, The Total Soccer Show has joined the Athletic Podcast Network and we're very excited about Mm, it. If you heard the jingle in the beginning that's what that was about we haven't just <laughs> randomly added a jingle after 11 years or whatever we've uh, we've incorporated the athletics jingle so uh, the quick the quick question might be mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. and the answer is because this helps us grow it right certainly does. we have partnered with a much much bigger organization big as the total soccer show mm-hmm. is we don't have all that venture capital behind us but now we've partnered with an organization that does may i tell you my anecdote that will explain this i think quite perfectly okay uh was that a family event this weekend was asked by my uncle uh how's the soccer soccer guy and i responded <laughs> like oh we've joined he, sa- he sounds delightful by the way oh you can tell by my tone. Uh, and uh, I said, like, yeah, it's actually really exciting. We've joined this site called The Athletic. And he's like, what? You've joined The Athletic? And it, that was shocking yeah. to him. So that's kind of where I guess it is a little bit. Yep. So mm. that's, that's the thing, right? We have grown the Total Soccer yes. Show to a really good size, um, but it's still an independent show. And for example, if we were to reach out to uh, Manchester United mm-hmm. um, and ask for an interview, they'd be like, oh, an independent American soccer podcast. But now if we reached out, we could say. <laughs> Not only no, but they would just draw a middle finger <laughs> is how they would respond to that. <laughs> they would take the time yeah. to do it. And mail it. Back. Scan it, attach it to an email. <laughs> but no, I think we, we're, we're associated with an organization yeah. that the people at Manchester United, I'm using them as an example, mm-hmm. um, would recognize. Yeah. So this is the big deal for us is that we get to be partnered with a larger organization. Yeah. And, and my goal remains, my hope remains that like when we go to sporting events, we tend to be, if we're in like the media box, we're like five rows back and then you have all of the yeah. athletic, sports, illustrated, ESPN people in that front row. I want front row, Daryl. I'm not trying to look over Alexis Guerrero's head anymore. You think we'll get to sit next to Grant Wall? I mean, that's, that's the dream. Isn't it? I'm sure Grant would welcome us. He's a very nice man. I don't know. I feel like only one of us. We have to fight for the, the, the privilege <laughs> of sitting next to Grant Wall, I think. That's how that works. And just in case anyone was wondering, no, it won't change anything. No, right? it will not. We still have full editorial control of the show. It's still the Total Soccer Show. Still own the show. Um, and it doesn't go behind the paywall or anything like that. If you're listening right now, you can still listen to the show. Indeed. And if you're not, switched you, over, right? If you're not, then you didn't even hear that. 
Also that. (laughs) (laughs) I did have someone ask for podcast recommendations and somebody responded like, I've never heard of this one, so I don't think you should either. I was like, shots fired, random person who's never listened to us. I saw that on Twitter. I think they were just joking. Yeah. Let's hope so. Otherwise, I'm coming to their house. I don't know how, but I'm going to come. But maybe we should tell them we're with The Athletic now and maybe they'll That would change everything. They would open all the doors. Yes. So we we have already transferred the feed over, correct? Yes. So So, you're hearing this on The Athletic uh, Podcast Network. If you needed further evidence that things aren't going to change... Things haven't changed. But there has been a change at U.S. Soccer House. There's also been a change to the U.S. men's national team January camp. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some changes in January in the January transfer window. That's why today's show we are going to talk Brian McBride being named general manager of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, We're going to quickly touch on the update to January camp. Mm -hmm. Basically, spoiler alert, Brandon Savania has been added. And we've Uh, talked about it. And we've talked about it. No, we'll we'll talk. (laughs) A little more. A little more. Sixty seconds. Sure. Um, but then the uh, the main course yep. today is January transfer window. Taylor and I have essentially been doing a load of research and thinking about which players are sort of available and who should go where. And we're going to do our list of January transfer targets. We're going to create all the rumors that are fit to monger. I'm excited about it. <laughs> but it's based in based in things that make sense, right? Yeah. Sure. Hopefully. No, like uh, Raul Jimenez to stay at Wolves forever. That's yes. my transfer I mean, that's rumor. the obvious one. That's your transfer rumor yeah. that he won't be transferred? Ever. Perfect. Ever. 60-year-old Raul Jimenez will be banging in goals. Probably in League Two, if that's what we're doing. Well, while he's doing that, let's talk not quite 60-year-old Brian McBride, yeah. as you said, taking over as GM of U.S. men's soccer. Do you know how old he is? Uh, I do not. 47. But I know he's I under 60, so my he's number still stands correct. 60. Yeah, so the long search for a general manager for the U.S. men's mm-hmm. national team is over. It is Brian McBride. Um, I have thoughts about this. I'm willing to share them. What are your thoughts, Mr. Rockwell? Uh, I, I went the obvious route, as did I think a lot of people, which is just like, I love Brian McBride. He scored that goal against Mexico. He was great in 2002. He's half man, half machine because of Daniela De Rossi. He's great. And I was super excited about what yeah. that means and bringing him in. And then after that, I sort of paused for a moment and thought like, but does he, has he been a GM? Like, has he, <laughs> has he done those sorts of things? And I have wondered sort of if this is U.S. soccer making a very shrewd move that they're bringing in a former player who obviously, I guess, vibes well with Ernie Stewart, vibes well with the program, has mm-hmm. ideas about how he wants things to go. But the biggest thing is that he's Brian McBride. He's got a very strong and solid, uh, positive reputation when it comes to yep. U.S. fans. And I th- so I think it's not just fan service, right? This isn't a J.J. Abrams move. This isn't just fan <laughs> service. He I was think... given a weird belt at the end that had a medal on it. I don't know what to make of that. I think a yellow light. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, think th- I think this move is Brian McBride is not there to sort of have a competing vision or his own vision of, as general manager of what the U.S. men's national team setup should look like. I think he's there as the friendly-faced enforcer of Ernie Stewart's vision. Yep. Right? Yeah. And in, in that way, I don't think it's a bad move because I think he's very popular with fans, yes, but with um, other soccer players, with coaching staff. He'll be the guy that maybe is reaching out to um, to clubs and saying, hey, is your player available? Mm-hmm. He'll be the guy that's going to U20 camps and making sure that the U20 team is following a similar uh, pattern of play and a similar philosophy to the senior men's national team. Yeah. In a way, it saves Ernie Stewart, like, you know, jetting around and doing that himself. And it also, Brian McBride's, kind, I mean, I've seen Ernie Stewart talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brian McBride's a much more, uh, charming individual so it just makes that job easier right yeah. it's, it's not suited to Ernie Stewart to be going around doing that Mm-mm. right no and and like and that's not to diminish the role I'm not saying he's like Ernie Stewart's gopher that would be the very um, dismissive way of saying it I just think it it actually does make sense I mean in certain ways that is kind of his job because he is yeah. working directly under under Ernie Stewart as yeah. is Kate Margraff on the Ernie's in side. charge Ernie's yes. very much in charge but I think and I'm not trying to say that I, I know both of their resumes in and out but I would say that if we're talking about a former national team player with a strong 
reputation from both like players and fans and management who moved into uh, media and doing media appearances and doing analysis for different networks and now is the GM. I mean, that is Kate Margraff, and yeah. we were really excited about that because of what we thought she was going to bring and the way she has approached it. Yeah. So I think it's it's not then fair to look at Brian McBride and be like, well, you haven't been a GM before. You haven't done a bunch of front right. office stuff, so I'm not okay with this. But don't you get the sense that Kate Margraff is the one who's been hiring the uh, the coaches and the youth national team on the coaches women's side? on the women's yes. side? Because she's been the one giving the quotes and talking mm-hmm. about uh, why Laura Harvey yep. and why Vlatko, right? Um, but I think on the men's side, it's I think it's still Ernie Stewart who is at least the head of the decision-making team, right? Brian McBride will have a seat at the table. He will have input, but it is not like Ernie Stewart is just entrusting that whole process um, and McBride will be out hiring people I mean as an example they hired Anthony Hudson as the U20 coach um, that announcement came a few days before Brian McBride was unveiled mm-hmm. as the as the men's GM this is very true and that is not a thing I had thought about to be honest because yeah. like, I'm not saying it's a problem I'm just saying that's how it is it's slightly there's a slight I, imbalance of who has more authority on the women's side and on the men's side I actually kind of am saying it's a problem uh, because oh, no. be only because like what's then the point of of having promoted Ernie Stewart to being like the GM of both the men's and the women's side if he's then like letting Kate Margraff do whatever she wants and thus far that's been a good move yeah. but then he's still sort of controlling the men's side it doesn't really explain that promotion other than like was he not a good enough GM I, I think my guess is there'll be other technical areas in terms of like um, who they use as a fitness mm-hmm. partner or that, that kind of stuff or what t- type of methods they use for what kind of steel they put in their face when they're elbowed <laughs> Brian no, McBride will consult on I'm that I'm talking about Ernie Stewart top okay. level decisions mm-hmm. but, as, but one thing that's different for example is it seems like like Margraf hires coaches, whereas Brian McBride maybe talks to coaches. Okay. That makes sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think so. So we, well, we have the introductory press conference on Monday where we yes. should get a few, few you, more probably, answers, a little bit more clarification. Yeah, you're probably hearing this show on Monday. So later today there will be oh, – yeah. Um, yeah, there will be <laughs> there will be an introductory press conference. We'll maybe get more detail, but I think all the detail that we're going to get is, was probably in the carefully considered um, statement uh, that his, his primary areas of focus, McBride's, will be to oversee the development and management of the player pool. That means mm-hmm. he'll be responsible for sort of having relationships with players, um, build and guide the culture within the men's national team environment and manage relationship with clubs and represent the U.S. men's national team on the global stage. You're right. I, I did not read it the way, the way you did. And now yeah. that I'm reading again, which is to say reading what's actually written as opposed to what I assumed was there. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. That does not mention hiring coaches at all. Yeah. Does it? So you just got to read between the lines a little bit. But I yeah. still think it's a valuable role and possibly Brian McBride is good at it. I'd be more worried if he was hired as men's national team general manager with no sort of technical director or general manager experience, right? Mm -hmm. So the job as I see it, I think makes sense, even though it's not what you would expect a general manager job to be. All right. All right. I think you've talked me into it a little bit more, having briefly been negative on it when I was thinking about Ernie Stewart doing things. But now I'm more Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. All right. (laughs) Would Daryl make things positive? It's kind of... Taylor eventually comes around. (laughs) All right. Well, if you're new, there's the dynamic right there. (laughs) If you're new to us. Moving on. um, We do have, as I mentioned, uh, January camp news. Mm -hmm. Brandon Savania has been added to the U.S. men's national team. You promised 60 seconds on this. It might go a little longer. I'll say, I'll bet Travis Clark of the Top Draw Soccer Show Mm -hmm. at topdrawsoccer.com is very pleased about this. He's a big, I'm going to say a Savania fan or a Savania stan, somewhere in between. I think both. Yeah. I think he, he's a fan stan. Fan stan. He's mm-hmm. a Savannah fan stan. <laughs> yes. Hi, Travis, if you're listening. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure he's turned off after that. But yeah, Brandon Cervania will be joining. That is a player that we've talked a lot about on the Top Draw Soccer Show uh, because he has been a key player for various youth national teams mm-hmm. yeah, as well as for FC Dallas. Um, and it seems like we'll see him in this camp, but maybe not in the actual game come February. Yeah. Because it does seem like he's another player, we've talked about this previously, that is there sort of to get experience for the U23s down the road. Yes, down the road being March, mm-hmm. right? Late March is when Olympic qualifying happens with that U23 team of which Brennan Savania we expect will be a part. More on that in a moment, but first yeah. I wanted to ask you, if we did see him, let's go back to that hypothetical. Let's in the say, game against Costa Rica? Yeah, if yeah. he played in that early February game, where do you think we would see him? I would guess in the number six role, right? Mm. In the Jackson Yule, and we thought maybe Christian Kappis was the backup kind of role. I think maybe... Savania is competing for that spot. So he's in the Will Trap, Michael Bradley, Jackson Yule um, hierarchy somewhere. Um, and uh, because we've just joined The Athletic, I would agree with what you just said, but because we've joined The Athletic, we may have some UK listeners who are kind of curious what we're talking about. And I feel like we should clarify, the US men's national team is a soccer team <laughs> that occasionally plays in World Cups. Is that fair enough? Is that is that a w- okay, okay way to describe it? Is, I guess historically that's accurate. <laughs> yes. yeah. And now, because of the way things have gone, we get really excited about young players who have zero appearances for I the mean, senior national team. I have the whole time. Right, are you, <laughs> yeah. I'll ask you this. Mm-hmm. Are you excited about Savania? Like We've seen him for the U20s, and we've seen him in fits and starts for Dallas, mostly because you know, we don't watch every FC Dallas game. I have my take on him. I'm interested what yours is. I'm not not excited is genuinely my answer. Fair. There are so many young players that are coming through that could get minutes, that could be key performers, that like I, I'm always happy to see young players brought into camp I don't necessarily love it when that young player is the truth that if they don't become the next big thing we're in a lot of yeah. trouble I, I don't like think he, never had he that doesn't really carry shoulders, that weight yeah right mm-hmm. so yeah you like the lack of hype kind of yes <laughs> you will also like if you've seen him play you will like his clipped passes this guy can clip a pass and spread the field you know some players we see play those big diagonal balls but they hang up in the air and they come down with snow on it and it's been a long time and the defender intercepts the ball because <laughs> there's been too much time Savania can really clip it you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. it will travel quickly and low-ish and get to its destination on time so we may see him clipping some Savania passes I'd, I'd from Savania center Air. midfield uh, from Savania Air yeah. but more likely is that we'll see him uh, playing for the U23s yes. uh, in the lead up to and then during Olympic qualifying and we now know what group we'll be in yes the draw has happened a lot has happened since our last episode yes right? okay so the US this is it's all going to be in Guadalajara, in Mexico, in Guadalajara, Olympic qualifying. The U.S. has been drawn in Group A with Mexico, Costa Rica, and the Dominican Republic. Um, That's so a tough one. It's it, tough one. It is pretty tough. We've just got to finish top two in this group, right? So we open March 20th against Costa Rica. Three days later, Dominican Republic. Three days after that, March 26th against Mexico. If we finish top two, we go to the semifinals. To qualify for the Olympics, which we haven't done since 2008, we have to win the semi-final game. We usually disagree about how we would like the schedule to go. In, in that, I, I think I really care, and sometimes you care, and most of the time you don't. But would you rather play Mexico first, or would you pl- rather play Mexico third, as the United States is going to do? I'm gonna. I would have liked it to be first, just to like really bang out of the gates. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it's set up, we play them last, and it'll probably decide who finishes first and who finishes second. So I'd, I'd say it has more importance um, as the as the final game mm-hmm. in the group. But then the weird thing is, 
I really dislike these conversations of do we want to finish first or second? That I don't much care about because either way we'll play somebody decent. Yeah. Uh, I would rather play Canada because I want that rivalry to grow. Yeah. Also, oh, people don't know, Group B is yeah. Honduras, Canada, El Salvador, and Haiti. Mm-hmm. We would guess that Honduras and Canada are the two qualifiers uh, from that group. So we'll play one of those in mm-hmm. the semifinal. But I really do like the idea of going up against Mexico on that final group stage game. Hopefully, I mean, we will know where things stand in terms of what the United States needs to do. Yeah. But I do like the idea of, in an ideal world, both the United States and Mexico winning both their games and they're sort of safely through. And yeah. then we can enjoy that game and see all the tactics, but not necessarily be as terrified and nervous as we might have been yes. if it were the first game. So it would be like a different type of six-pointer, meaning yes. both teams go into it already having six points. Mm-hmm. Uh, my apologies. I mean, Costa Rica's not... I don't know what the I, I feel, I feel a little bit like a, a six-pointer for Mexico and maybe a four-point for the United States yeah. is, is maybe a realistic thing to expect from that one. Fair enough. Heading into that one, I should say. Fair enough. I actually know I like that we open against Costa Costa Rica because it's something of a challenge, yeah. right? Um, and with all due respect to Christian Polanco, I'm not sure the Dominican Republic will be will be so tough. I think he would agree. I think <laughs> he would agree. Uh, so we've 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 done some U.S. conversations. We've talked about players in camp. We've talked about Brian McBride. Now let's talk January transfers because oh, yes. it's January and it's time for transfers to happen. Is it really though? Because I have a theory that you know most of the tran- the big transfers really happen in the summer, and we all get excited about January. But then it doesn't always work out that way. There's not that many moves happen. No, I mean, I think that is historically the way it goes. My feeling, I think Ryan and I had this conversation on the show last week or the week before, was that because so many things are like up in the air, where like City need to strengthen and Tottenham obviously do, Man United do, uh, there's the title race in the Bundesliga, there's the title race in Spain. It felt like lots of teams were going to need that to add that piece to try to get over the top or try to secure that final spot or what have you. But instead, I think for all those reasons, it's gone the opposite way, that Bundesliga clubs don't want to sell because yeah, yeah. There, so many teams are alive for that title race. Uh, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, maybe a little bit reticent to spend right away. And then in the Premier League, like Man City, do they want to spend a ton of money when they know they're probably not going to catch Liverpool? Or yep. do they want to wait till the summer, see where Pep is, see what the rebuild's going to look like? So we may end up not getting that many moves, yep. but it won't stop the speculation because that's <laughs> how it works. That is how it works. Some moves will happen, right? So we are going to go through our list of Players we think might be on the move, um, some you will have heard of, some mm-hmm. you might not have heard of, some might be some might be news to you. And we've tried to match these players with places of need and also moves that might actually happen. Yeah. We think. We, gu- we guarantee nothing. We'll talk about everything. <laughs> All right. So we are going to fire through this list. Taylor, I invite you to go first. Which player would you like to talk about first? Who's on, your Jan- who's on Taylor's January transfer list? I'll start with one that maybe is somewhat familiar to folks. Uh, Moussa Dembele, not of Spurs, but formerly of Celtic, now yes. of Lyon. Uh, 23-year-old French attacker. Uh, I think he is the striker that Dortmund could have used, but now they've replaced him. So that means he's got other opportunities. But he is a clinical goal scorer. Uh, yep. He can score from distance, but can obviously score one-on-one and does a really good job of kind of picking his angles and finding that spot. Mm-hmm. He's got the height to win everything in the air and to hold up play really, really well. But the creativity to find passes, to find little openings, and then still be able to get those shots off under pressure. I've got three words for you. What's that? New Thierry Henry. Have you got him too? Is he on your list? He's on my list. There we go. And I've noted that he's kind of improvisational in the same yep. way that Thierry Henry was. Mm-hmm. Shots you don't see coming. Back heels that you never thought were on. Like He will pull something out and make something happen every single time. He's also going to be really expensive. Yep. So who do you see spending the money to buy Moussa Dembele? Well, why do you say he's going to be really expensive? Because I have heard that there. Leon drive a hard bargain, right. essentially. They're mm-hmm. not just going to be like, oh yeah, sure, we, we'll happily let him go. No, but, they're going to want a lot of money. So it can't be a team that's on a budget. You know no, it really cannot be yeah. because he's he was only brought in for, I think, around 20 
20 million pounds. That said, he had a five-year deal. We're only three and a half years into that deal at this point. So there's yeah. no reason for Leon to sell mm-hmm. him aside from they get a huge amount of money. Yes. Uh, what that is, I don't really know. But I do think that there are a lot of teams who could certainly use him. Uh, Spurs and Barcelona both come directly to mind. Spurs Ooh. because of the Harry Kane yes. injury. Barcelona because of the Luis Suarez injury. He'll be out for probably the rest of the season. So I this, think they could use a number nine. Yeah, the Suarez injury is pretty fresh, right? right. So I feel like it's kind of changed some of the balance in the January yeah, transfer has. window because that is a team that is not afraid to spend money. Nope. And what is in, definitely in a title race, level with Real Madrid right now, and doesn't really have a centre-forward. It's weird, right? A lot of attacking options, but like Griezmann's maybe better on the wing, Messi's definitely better out wide, Dembele's better yeah. out wide. The other Dembele, yeah. The other Dembele, yeah. Yeah, double your Dembele exactly. Barcelona. That's what you need. <laughs> um, but I do think he, he would be a good number nine. He would be a good replacement for Suarez for everything we've mentioned because he does seem like, clever in trying to find those little pockets of space and hanging on the back line, but has the strength and physicality to do some of what Suarez does. Maybe he more so. so many goals yeah, Barcelona. exactly. And then if I'm Musa Dembele, that's where I want to go. And you make those All driving runs. Yeah. So I think Barcelona would be a solid place to, for him to end up. But then Spurs as a replacement for Harry Kane, short term, long term competition, maybe a, a strike partner if Jose Mourinho wants to go with two up top, could potentially be stunted out, like shunted out onto the wing if you wanted to oh, try sure that. that. But that's where I feel sort <laughs> of like he's maybe a more short term option for Spurs as opposed to a long term one. I'm going to stick with strikers and highlight Edinson Cavani. Edinson Cavani, people may not know, he has not had a good few months. No, he has not. So he had a couple of injuries and uh, Mario Icardi has taken his place at PSG. And Cavani is essentially sitting on the bench... Um, sending not friendly looks to Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> not, nine total appearances for them in uh, the yes. league this year. And again, again, some of that is injury-related, but now he's fit and still uh, Icardi is starting ahead of him. His contract expires in six months. I don't think he wants to sit around for six months. Maybe he does. Maybe he's making a lot of money and he'll sit around for six months. But I think someone could come in and get him six months on loan. I think this is who Tottenham Hotspur should be going for. That would make a lot more sense because yeah. instead of having to splash a massive amount of money, which, as we've already clarified, they don't really want to do and they would have to do for Dembele, yeah. to get in Cavani either on loan or maybe to bring him in as a permanent deal, yeah. but with the situation being as it is with PSG, it does feel like one that makes sense. And then he could play other positions maybe slightly more readily or more comfortably than Dembele would. I have seen Cavani on the wing, right? Yep. I've not imagined this. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to his like, Napoli days. I think he was like a solid left winger who okay. could also be a center forward. It makes I, sense. I also think he's a very Mourinho striker in yeah. that he's willing to do some defensive work. Mm-hmm. Right? I I've, I've definitely have um, mental images that I haven't invented. I've seen them on television of Cavani tracking back and making tackles and really contributing overall. And he's got enough athleticism to run in behind. He's got enough height to be a target man. So you get, you get what you were missing with Harry Kane's injury mm-hmm. and maybe even a little bit more. Maybe even a little bit more. I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that as much just because I've doubted Harry Kane in the past and every time I doubt him, he scores goals and does good things. Keep doing it all summer if you can. The reason why Cavani does make sense to me with Mourinho and honestly Dembele more so is just because the criticism we always hear of Jose Mourinho is that he sets up his defense and then his attack is go do the attack guys and sort of relies on the creativity of the individual. Dembele seems like he would bring that creativity. That said so too does Cavani and would also bring sort of the connectivity hold up play that he can do. He does that with Uruguay. I think he could do that with a lot of the pacey attackers that Spurs have on offer. Under Mourinho a lot of direct balls right out of defense for Kane to flick on for Deli Ali. That Mm -hmm. could be Cavani flicking it on it's certainly good for Delhi Ali also I think worth a shout Manchester United if I was Manchester United I'd be in for Cavani no thank you no thank you why not no thank you I mean because United have a history of signing players that they think will end up having an impact who are slightly 
older. Cavani yeah. is 32 years old. Is he? Yeah, my, cons- oh, wow. my concern would be him coming in and being another, shall we say, Bastian Schweinsteiger or Alexis Sanchez, who okay. maybe don't quite have it anymore, but are brought in probably on a high wage and then it doesn't quite work out. Okay, who else you got on your list then? Uh, I've gone for, maybe this is one that maybe people will be less familiar with, Pablo Rosario, 23-year-old Dutch central midfielder for PSV. Okay, are I've you- seen him play twice maybe. Okay. Yeah. I well, do know he's Dominican. Why were you watching well PSV play? Just some random Europa League right. uh, watching. Yeah. <laughs> he is, and he is Dominican, but I believe play, plays for the Netherlands. Uh, he has started every game for PSV this season. Could be a ball-winning number six or number eight, uh, depending on what people need. But I think he is capable of doing either. Where uh, do you see him then? Who needs him? I think either uh, Everton or Spurs. Okay. Uh, Spurs could fill some midfield gaps, but Everton especially, because uh, he does seem... Those want defensive midfielders, That's right? the thing, okay. yeah. Because of Idrissa Ganagay, uh departing and not necessarily being replaced, I think Rosario could be a decent enough replacement for Ganagay uh, now, and then a long-term replacement once he kind of beds into Ancelotti's system and gets a bit more familiar. But I see the raw bits there of, like, he covers a lot of ground, he does the defensive work, he's good in his positioning, he's clever on the ball, he's smart on the ball, he doesn't try to do too much and get mm-hmm. caught dribbling or his name, space. His name one more time. Pablo Rosario. The constant checking and adjusting, I just feel like it would go very, very well All for right. him at Everton and Carlo Ancelotti. I do think if you're um, spending big money on defensive midfielder, mm-hmm. the guy I'd be looking at is Wilfred Ndidi yeah. um, at Leicester City. I'm mm-hmm. not suggesting him as a January transfer, um, but I think he's almost the ideal at this point. He's yeah. the ideal defensive midfielder. But if you can't get yourself an Ndidi, maybe get yourself a Rosario. Yeah, I think it, to pry him away from second place Leicester, I believe they're still second place right now. At the very least, they're in the Champions League spots. Mm-hmm. That would take some spending and some convincing, I think. A man who could be had a little more cheaply, hmm. maybe... Olivier Giroud. Ah. I'm really going with old strikers here. Um, This is World Cup winning striker, Olivier Giroud. Mm -hmm. Won the World Cup in 2018. Yeah, he's not quick, I know. But he's great in the air. Great with hold-up play. Still can finish. He is absolutely rotting at Chelsea, right? Stop the necrosis that is happening to Olivier Giroud. Get him on a team somewhere. Here's my pitch. Tottenham Hotspur. So he's just only going to play in London from now on. He's, he's going to be only going to play. In was London. it Antonio Cassano who would like only play for a team for one year and then just move on? He yes. played like, like nineteen. It was him and Christian Vieri. Yeah. Maybe that's Olivier Giroud now. He just think, moves from London club to London club until he's played for them all. I think Cassano was trouble. Olivier Giroud is not trouble. He is a solid, solid pro. That is true. I think also to play for every London team, he'd have to play for another like twenty four, twenty three years. Yeah. yeah. So he does his work cut out for. Leighton Orient could use him though. Um, so. <laughs> Genuinely, he is the perfect replacement, <laughs> a short-term replacement for Harry Kane because yeah. he would play. Giroud would play from now until April. He wants to get some games because he wants to make sure he's in that France squad for Euro 2020, which is coming. That's why he can't be on the bench for the next six months. He needs to make that Euro 2020 squad. Problem is, if you're Chelsea, it's a terrible idea to give Spurs a yep. striker that they really, really need. Right? I guess you could do There's it on no loan reason. and say like you can only, maybe you, you put him on loan so he can't play against you and then you add a provision that like you're not allowed to play him if we say else. you can't play him. <laughs> <laughs> only when it's advantageous to us are you allowed to play him. You have him. to check with us every week. Yeah, right. So that, I think that's a great idea. It's not going to happen. But like I, most of my great ideas, it doesn't happen. But I want to ask you this because Fernando Llorente was a player for Spurs that I didn't think would end up being a very good player and then he became a key player for them, especially yeah. in their Champions League run. Is it? Just, I know he's like a handsome man with a beard who can score goals, Llorente, and also Giroud. Am I connecting them in my mind just because of that? Or would he sort of bring to the table what Llorente did, maybe even a little bit better, of like, hold up, can score goals, can link play, can be a target striker? He's a little more deft. Okay. Giroud's got a bit more of the, uh, a bit more technique about him than right. Fernando Llorente, but he's also not willing to be permanent second fiddle mm-hmm. like Llorente was, right? So my other pitch for Giroud, maybe just lower your standards or lower your sights a little bit. Aston Villa, 
desperate for a striker, right? Wesley's mm-hmm. out for the season. They've been playing wingers up front the last few games. You could be an absolute hero at Aston Villa in front of 40 plus thousand people every week. Olivier Giroud, go save Villa from relegation. And then, then you get to go to the Euros uh, with France. Similarly, Newcastle are desperate yep. for a striker. Playing in front of 50 plus thousand mm-hmm. um, <laughs> every week. Um, Newcastle aren't really as relegation threatened, right? They're doing okay-ish. And right now, they've got, I believe, every single player on their team is injured. Yeah. So they're going to play nine-year-olds, I think. Uh, so maybe they <laughs> well, could use him. He'd bring the average up, at least. He would. So Olivier Giroud, I think, will be a great signing for Newcastle as well, if he's willing to go there. If not, maybe he goes to PSG. So you've got like six different if-nots, basically. Yes. He, he works his way north of, like, up England and then over to France. Yep. If it doesn't end up working he out. Got, all right. Gets the train all the way down Fran- to Paris. PSG makes a lot of sense. Like, all of them make sense, and I think that's why, if I had to bet, he's going to be the player that is linked with the most teams in the January window, because yeah. there are reasons for him to leave, and there are lots of teams that could use his services but the one that does make a lot of sense to me would be PSG especially yep. if you could like swap Cavani for Giroud and have yep. Cavani go to Chelsea maybe that works for them and not not to replace Icardi as the starter right. but he's going to get more games at PSG yep. over the next six months than he would do if he stayed at Chelsea but it's very clear that they're sort of not nastily, but they're you know letting him know that it's, it's time to leave. Right? And when Neymar needs to go to his sister's birthday in Brazil and Mauro is fighting with Wanda and can't play, you then you've got a capable then replacement. It's, then it's Olivier O'Clock. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who else we got? Who else we got on your list? Uh, we have got a sponsor for today's show. Ooh. That sponsor would be HelloFresh. Hello and we're going to talk about them right now. You can transfer yourself away from going to the grocery store to staying at home and having <laughs> food delivered right to you. But it's not even delivery, five guys, bad for you food. It's mouthwatering seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So if you're in a dinner rut, sign up for HelloFresh with their 22 and more seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. I've done exactly that. I have been enjoying um, a burger that's not just any old burger. It's got paprika and garlic and onion and some sort of special mayonnaise that actually my wife took care of putting that together because I didn't trust myself. If it's a special mayonnaise, then you have to call it an aioli. That's the rule. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, an aioli. It had an aioli. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you make it sound fancy. So I had the HelloFresh burger for mm-hmm. dinner this very evening while we're recording this show. Yep. The day before, I had the chicken palm. And I will do chef's kiss into the mic. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, uh, this may be the first time we've talked about HelloFresh uh, with you having consumed a meat product from HelloFresh because oh, yeah, yeah. meat is relatively new or back – like it's new to you, I It's guess. back on the menu. It's recent to you. It's back on the menu, boys. There we go. Thank you. Uh, how has that been making HelloFresh, eating HelloFresh when meat is involved? It has been tasty. It's been tasty. And also, uh, genuinely, I trust Hello Fre- I trust HelloFresh's ingredients. Yep. One of my sort of uh, – problems with meat is I wasn't, you know, I didn't trust stuff at the grocery store always. Um, Mm -hmm. I trust HelloFresh. I know I'm getting good stuff. Slightly grayish steak that definitely needed to be sold yesterday. Right. I'm not so sure about that one. That's that's not in the HelloFresh box. Not so much. No, instead you're getting fresh pre-measured ingredients, again, delivered right to your door. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclables and or already recycled content. That's good because I put it in the recycling. As well you should. You can like even like the bags, like the ice bags, you let them melt, you trim them up, you can recycle those too. Nice and easy. Or you can use them for ice packs. We do have soccer season coming up. It's an easy (laughs) solution when you're uh, 35 years old, play two games and hurt everywhere. But you're more athletic. You should be fine. (laughs) 
Sure. But uh, then you can stay at home, ice yourself, and make an easy meal. Uh, and you can make a, a cost-effective meal as well because HelloFresh meals now start from five sixty-six per serving, $5.66 per serving. Go and try to find that in a, in a, uh, a restaurant that will cook for you figgy pork or a designer hamburger. You won't be able to. So if you go to HelloFresh.com slash TSS10 and use code TSS10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale, you'll get 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash TSS10 using code TSS10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sales for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Thank you very much to HelloFresh for sponsoring today's episode and keeping Daryl uh, full and happy as he does his research. I am both those things. There we are. Uh, I am as well, and I have researched a man who I was not previously familiar with. His name is Duj Chaleta Sar. I think that's how you pronounce it. 23-year-old Croatian center back from Marseille. Uh, it's C-A-L-E-T-A hyphen C-A-R. Are. So you okay. would think Caleta Car, but from what I understood from the French commentary, Chaleta Sar. Chaleta Sar. Yeah. Okay. And you said centre back. Yes. Uh, but the things that I, I think are important to know about him, did number you, one. Excuse me, did you say French Croatian? Or he's just Croatian but Croatian, French? yeah, and thus it was French commentary. Okay. And Although that would be cool if he was uh, French Croatian. He would. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, which club was he playing for? He was playing for Marseille. Marseille? Uh, but okay. A, a key point here would be that prior to that, he spent uh, four seasons, was on loan, but three seasons with uh, RB Salzburg, mm-hmm. made 84 appearances, which means he's good in possession he knows how to play like high pressure high tempo systems because it's an rb team it sure um, is. with uh, marseille he has been the kind of aerial enforcer he wins everything in the air he's good in 1v1s not really great when it comes to like foot races you don't really want to leave him exposed which is why i didn't have him necessarily going to say man city or arsenal who are already dealing with a high line that can be beaten with pace or with arsenal a very slow uh, pairing of center backs. Where, so where, I, where do you have him going then? Bayern Munich. Okay. Uh, because he seems like a player that could be brought in for a not absurd amount of money, which does seem to be the way it's going with center backs. They now cost a lot. Uh, but I think he could be brought in and Bayern do need center backs. They needed center backs before Sula went down with injury. Jerome Boateng is uh, past his sell-by date, similar to some of that red meat in the uh, the grocery store. Uh, and I think uh, Chaleta Sar could come in, uh, really do a good job of, of just kind of being that like steadfast defensive figure for Bayern Munich, but then still play well with his feet, can still possess, yeah. can still move the ball around, be nice and so- calm and have that beard, Daryl. He's got that beard. So I like it, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping it doesn't happen. Why is that? Because what I want is for Bayern Munich to get so de- desperate mm-hmm. they give Chris Richards his Bayern Munich debut. That would also be fun. Right? That would also be that's fun. What, that's what we need at Bayern Munich. We need them to be like, let's try this American teenager <laughs> instead of buying this Croatian man whose name we can't pronounce. <laughs> I mean, just because I can't pronounce it doesn't mean they can't. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're better than I am with those things. But I think he would he would be nice and fit in well with what what Bayern Munich are and have on offer and also with how dominant they tend to be when it comes to possession statistics yep. I think he would be very very well placed at Bayern Munich alright well I've got a centre back for you Duj Chaleta Sar one more time Duj Chaleta Sar what you got I've got Per Schurz mm-hmm. Per Schurz is an Ajax defender I am convinced he is the next big thing he's the next uh, Matthias De Ligt, um, if you ask me mm-hmm. but he's currently behind how, how old is he? He's either 19 or 20. So they're like roughly the same age? Roughly, yeah. So that's why he's the next Mateus <laughs> okay. Delete. Um, but currently he's behind uh, Veltman and Blint and Lissandro Martinez in the pecking order. He's played a few games for Ajax this season, but he's not an established starter. The reason I've got him on my list is I think a big club should get him now before he costs three figures in the future. Okay. So if you watch Per Schurz play, he is one of those sort of dominant ball-winning defenders, which is almost the basic thing you expect from a defender, mm-hmm. right? 
But when he has the ball at his feet, magic happens. This kid is not afraid to dribble out of defense, and he seems to be very successful at doing so. He will go past a striker, and then he will pick out the perfect pass. Like, he will split lines, he will ping big diagonals and find find you know, the exact toe that he was aiming for mm-hmm. of a teammate. Also, weirdly, can shoot. I've seen him take some free kicks and bang them in the bottom corner. All right. I think Per Schurz is going to be a big thing. I honestly think... A team like Bayern or Arsenal or Man City should sign him now, let him have six months bedding in, and then he'll be ready to go next summer. I'm a, I might be missing something. There might be I might be overexcited and overrating him, but I would irresponsibly spend loads of money on Peshers right now. Here's here's two two reasons why I think I want him to go to Arsenal. One because he's young, but he's not a young Frenchman, so you get rid of that stereotype. <laughs> that works well. Yeah. Two, I want him to, to go to Arsenal, step in first game, like free kick from twenty five yards out. He bangs it in, and then just turns to David Luiz, like that's how a centre back gets a free <laughs> kick, sir. That's how it's done. I'm glad you mentioned Arsenal. One of the things that came out recently about Mikel Arteta is that he likes his defenders to in, before they pass the mm-hmm. ball to engage an opponent, right? To not just aimlessly. Uh, pass it just to keep it moving he wants you to commit a striker to you while you've got the ball and take them out of the game that is Per Schur. so maybe Arsenal is the exact place that Per Schur should go alright well if, if Arsenal is not the exact place another player who I think could do well at Arsenal as well as a few other teams is Boubacar Kamara he's a 20 year old French defender slash midfielder depending on where you need him for Marseille uh, Boubacar is B-O-U-B-A-C-A-R Kamara with a K uh, he has started 17 games in League 1 5 in the Champions League so he's got that sort of pedigree he's got the experience and if in terms of what I think he would bring to the table, I would say he's sort of like what Granite Xhaka is supposed to be for Arsenal if he were firing on all cylinders and not enraging the fan base. Uh, Kamara is a no-nonsense midfielder, fights for everything in the air, on the ground, will make the professional fouls, so maybe now Man City's interest has been piqued a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but he also then, when he's on the ball, he just plays simple, he keeps it moving, he's not trying to go on long, slaloming runs and vacate his position. He, he does a he's really good shade job. Of a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> if you're looking for a holding midfielder, I don't think that's what Pep would be wanting, because I do think Kamara could be a good fit at Man City, at Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Bayern, all the places that need a centre-back right. slash holding midfielder. Bubakar Kamara. But the, the key thing there being that he, Bubakar Kamara, is a center back as well for France for the French U21s. So a center back who's comfortable on the ball, but then a holding midfielder who can fight for everything, wins everything in the air, yeah. and also plays smart. He kind of ticks a couple boxes there and I think could do the business for a couple different teams as a result. Okay, you mentioned um, defensive midfielders, right? There are a couple of teams we've had people mention that they want their, their team to get a defensive midfielder. Um, Everton definitely came up. They wanted to replace Idris Agana Gay. Yep. And Spurs definitely came up in that... Um, they didn't have that like uh, Sissoko type or mm-hmm. like Eric Dyer's not quite cutting it anymore. They want a new defensive midfielder. I went looking. I went shopping. I went shopping on the internet. You were shopping for them? Yes. Did you get their um, credit card and everything like that? So the, uh, I think the big player that a team like Spurs should sign mm-hmm. is Dennis Zakaria. Do you remember me talking about him in the build-up to the 2018 World Why Cup? Why do I remember his name? He plays for Switzerland and he plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yes. Yes. Yes, I'm with you now. Yep, so, yep, 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 yep. leggy. He's a leggy midfielder. He's one of those <laughs> long-legged midfielders. Really strong tackler. Leggy. But after he knocks you off the ball and wins it, he sort of advances really quickly, picks out really sharp passes. I think he's a Mourinho defensive midfielder, not least because he's six foot two. I forgot about the height qualification for Mourinho players. He loves a tall defensive midfielder. I think Dennis Sakari will be a great signing for Spurs. Unfortunately, um, to what Manuel Vett said to you Mm -hmm. and uh, to what uh, some executives at Borussia Mönchengladbach said on the internet not long before we started recording this show, um, he is not moving this January. Maybe in the summer is what they said. We know we can't keep him forever is what they said, but he's not moving in January. Because Mönchengladbach are in a title challenge, right? 
So if I'm Spurs, I'm getting in there now and I'm laying the groundwork for a deal in the summer. Uh-huh. So not really a January transfer, but a January phone call is what you need to do with Dennis Zakaria. Zakaria or Zakaria? Uh, I think I'm being, I'm being influenced by the movie Sicario. Yep. Zakaria is what I'm going with. <laughs> I mean, c- could he be a sniper? Could he be an assassin? No, he'd be more like taking out the assassin. Okay, Defensive midfielder. So a Josh Brolin, if you will. There we go. <laughs> a Josh Brolin type. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, but it was strange, though. I want to pause there for a moment just to say, because of the way things are in the Bundesliga, it was odd to not talk about really any German players that much. Like, yeah. Dayo Upamakano was the one that it seems like could go anywhere yes, for Bayern, any team. Man City, yeah. Arsenal, but he's busy trying to win a title exactly. without Leipzig. So like, he, he's probably not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So why even talk about him? Instead, let's talk about a player like Keita Balde. All right. 24-year-old Senegalese winger slash forward for Monaco. Yeah. Uh, formerly of Lazio, formerly of the Barcelona youth system. According to his Wikipedia page, he was left Barcelona because he put an ice cube in a teammate's bed and that prank did not go over well. I'm going to guess there's more to that story. Interesting. Uh, but since then, uh, Keita Balde has developed quite a bit. He's a left-footed left winger who can also be a right-footed right winger if the situation requires but definitely seems more comfortable on the left where do you think he is required um which club yeah a couple of different ones i think okay. manchester united uh would be a good place because uh, he is i want to clarify him a little bit more for people who don't know or describe him a little bit because he is very 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 strong can hold off lots of challenges is very very quick has the acceleration but then the kind of pace to continue that acceleration yeah, yeah. but the biggest thing is that his Control is so tight, his technical ability is so good that you have a player who's very fast, can ride a challenge, but then keeps the ball close and really therefore ends up either getting a cross off, beating the first defender, or getting fouled and either earning a free kick or oftentimes a penalty because he just does not let the ball get too far away from him. Does he cross more accurately than Danny Jones? This is the thing, is that I think he kind of does. Yes, he does, but also... I think that's a problem at Man United right now. I, I don't think it's a problem when Man United are counterattacking. I think Daniel James, with that speed, he can get ahead and then whip that ball in. It's when you're playing a more defensive team, a more sitting in and defending team, that's where Man United kind of crash wave upon wave, human, human wave style, against a well-placed defense. But I think the creativity of Keita Balde, the pace, the ability to dribble in between the lines, and the ability in the air is one of my favorite things about him because he's so fast but so good at tracking the ball that multiple times I saw him sort of running sideways at full speed and still jumping up and winning the header to score a goal. I don't know how he does that physically, <laughs> but he somehow finds a way to. So I could see him doing really well at Man United, and then I could see him sort of going to Real Madrid because he does have the <sighs> the Bale Ronaldo vibe of like a, really? a very fast, strong, clever winger, good I've... in the air, can shoot, can cross, lots of boxes. I've seen Keita Balde. I didn't think go directly to Real Madrid. I mean, not directly to Real Madrid. He's <laughs> gone to a few other ones first. I also think I've said ticks all the boxes three times now, so I think I have to stop. That box is definitely checked. There we are. <laughs> okay, I've got... Um, You're, maybe it's a bit optimistic, but Real Madrid right now are not Real Madrid of like seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Same can be said for Man United, so maybe that does make sense. Um, all right, I've got maybe a more... I don't, I don't need that from you, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting prepped for the TSS derby, right? Wolves are good for two years, and suddenly... It's the Man United Wolves FA Cup replay on uh, Mm -hmm. Tuesday. We will be covering that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, I've got a more realistic defensive midfielder if uh, Dennis Zakaria is unavailable, which he appears to be. This is a guy who I think could be signed by Everton as their defensive midfielder, could also be signed by Spurs. His name is Otavio. Otavio is a Brazilian, 25 years old, no Brazil caps, um, plays for Bordeaux in League 1. So this guy has... Um, I listed his attributes as anticipation, like he's reading the game, timing, he knows when to step in, and then most importantly, extender legs. <laughs> the go-go gadget? 
Otavio yep. has the go-go gadget legs where it looks like someone's going past him and he sticks his leg out and it still looks like they're going past him and then his leg grows an extra 10 inches and he pokes the ball away. Because that, okay, so you say he pokes the ball away, do, but like because he has the extender leg, does he also do that glorious, beautiful, wonderful tackle where he reaches across, stops the ball, the player runs into it and they go flying over and then he's just like, and away we go. Did yes. he do some of those? Yes. Those are the best. And as soon as a player does that, they're instantly like 14 places higher in my chart. <laughs> He's also, My non-existent chart. <laughs> he also can distribute a ball. Lots right. of like short, smart passes. Loves also loves big switches. Those big diagonals that he hits really, mm. um, really accurately. I'm also looking at his career. Um, he went to Bordeaux in 2017. Has performed really well in League Un. Like great stats. I look back at his stats to like back up what what passed the eye test. Lots of interceptions. Lots of tackles. Um, passing stats. 90% completion, more or less. Two years at League Un. 25 years old. It's time for that next big career move. Mm-hmm. I honestly think Everton or Spurs would be a great fit for Otavio. Should Everton, I guess they already uh, already are slightly concerned. Hire me to do their recruitment. Just yes. say, should, should they be concerned the fact that like every player we've listed is like they could go to Everton? That would work well. Everton, well. Do, Everton yeah. fans have told us we need a defensive midfielder. Yes. Right? I'm not yes. sure what's wrong with Fabian Delph. I'd be happy with Fabian Delph, but um, Everton fans want more. I'm not sure it's as they much did, Fabian Delph as, as Morgan Schneiderlin. Okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> there was a Schneiderlin-Sigurdsson double pivot that someone was very concerned about. Yikes on bikes. Yeah. Uh, that's about the end of like my... My big list, I've got a few other players to mention here. We did have one okay. person mention, please find Newcastle a striker who is not a misfiring Brazilian named Joe Linton. Okay. Um, you already maybe potentially solved it if Olivier Giroud wants to head north. I've got a couple other ideas. As do I. Uh, I've got a weird one that maybe some people will be familiar with, most not. His name is Alexander uh, Sulloth, I think is how you do it. It's He's Norwegian, so he's got the O with a line through it, which yeah. I think you make it like an I. Yeah. But it's Sorloth is what I'm going to go with. 24 year old Norwegian forward for Trabzonspor on loan from Crystal Palace. Uh, and it, yes, I yeah. remember this guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he is huge, first yeah. of all, uh, but is exactly what Newcastle need in my mind. He is six foot five. He is very good in the air, scores very timely headed goals. They need that. Creative on the ball. You'll see the step overs. He takes people on to open up space and then finds passes. So it's not just aerial. Has he got any, he got any pace? Uh, he's got like, he's got the long legged six foot five pace of can keep up with players by basically having longer legs so he can cover that ground. I'm going to throw that under no. Well, it's not that he's... No, but like he, he is creative and tricky enough that I think okay. he has that little bit of burst of pace. I wouldn't say so that he's, he's like lumbering. a top-flight sprinter, but okay. no, I wouldn't yeah. say lumbering okay. Lean is another one. Lean. The good in possession, holds the ball up really, really well. All of those feel like things Newcastle could use. The confusing thing, as I said, is that he's on loan from Crystal Palace. They purchased him in January of 2018, so two years ago. Nine million pounds, 16 games... A big old zero goals for Palace. But I think a big part of that, and he has had bad runs of form in the past, and it tends to be when teams aren't really built around him, but he's just kind of shoved into a squad. Why he's thriving at Trabzon, I would argue, is because from everything I've seen, it's a lot of crosses from wide that are finding his head, and then it's a lot of like smaller, faster players running off of him and finding opportunities and creative players working off of him from his knockdowns. Yeah. All of that feels like what could happen if he went to Newcastle. Okay, that's interesting. So I think um, he could be had for a, not a huge amount of money, but not a small amount of money either. Like 20 million pounds, I think maybe he get he gets that move. So you'd have to get Crystal Palace to recall him, right? And then mm. sell him, right? Yes. So, yeah. I don't know if Trabzon have that option to buy because you always have that sneaky, yeah, yeah, you ask Trabzon like- to do it and then you offer them 5 million on top or something yeah. like that. Oh, okay. I've got um, a striker suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, this could work for Newcastle, but I also think this guy could work for Manchester United, Spurs, any other good team that's looking for a striker. Victor Ossiman. Do you know this name? I do not. So he is at Lille, and he got my attention when I started watching Tim Weyer 
at Lille, right? Early in the season. I know he's been injured for a while. I was going to say, what? Early in the season, I like, tuned into Lille and I kept... The, first of all, Tim Weyer was not starting at centre-forward because Victor Osimhen was in the way. 21 years old, Nigerian, and he kept scoring when I wanted Tim Weyer to score, right? Mm-hmm. He has scored uh, 10 goals in 18 games in league earn. He looks like something. He is six foot one. He is rapid. He keeps running in behind and finding the angle to shoot. I think he could be a great buy for someone like Villa. Um, is he really, really skinny? Yes. Yes, I've seen him. But and weirdly I, strong. We, okay, but here's the thing. I saw him while researching other French or players playing for French teams that are on my list. Yeah. And I was, if I had not run out of time, I was like, I want to look this kid up because I saw him for, in like four different clips yes. doing things that I was like, whoa, he's better than the person I'm looking at right now. He is eye-catching. I honestly think a team like Manchester United yep. could use him. Mm-hmm. Right? He can, he's got I'm the all pace. In, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting up. My energy has returned. I'm very excited about he's this He's got player. the pace to be that yep. like Ole Gunnar Sasha counter-attacking striker, but he also wins a lot of balls in the air. And yep. then he's also pretty smart with holder play. So I think he offers... He offers a lot. Again, with Spurs, I don't know if he'd be willing to play on the wing. Mm-hmm. I could see him being someone that fills in for Harry Kane and then he's like a Spurs winger slash striker. I could see him working there as well. Here's the thing. He's only been at Lille six months. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, maybe that's weird for him to move after six months. His agent is already saying he doesn't necessarily have to stay at Lille the whole year. Because the start has been that hot. I think he's attracted interest. Victor Ossiman. And where would you see him fit in at, say, Manchester United, just for random question purposes? Center forward. Okay, yeah. all right. Competing with Martial, but also uh, maybe playing on the wing if needed. I, I ask mostly because the other reports, aside from Bruno Fernandes, that Manchester United are after yes. James Madison, which I would love. Yeah. But in terms of a a like realistic signing, I think I think the number quoted was 120 million pounds to bring him in, and even then you'd have to convince him to leave Leicester. So could could your man do a number ten job if the situation required? That no, ain't happening. That's not his game. All right, so they need that's to sign him. And then also a number 10. Yeah. Okay. I, think, I think we need to sh- stop shopping for Man United. And I'm thinking this kid get, needs to go to Villa. Because Villa desperately needs a striker. Um, I think they could pay the money and he'd be starting straight away. That feels hurtful. That <laughs> feels like a personal attack. Uh, other other uh, names that maybe you looked up, you thought about? Yeah, okay. So quick quick hits at you. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware we don't want to go too long, right? Um, a lot of teams are looking for a right back. Mm-hmm. Spurs, again, are looking for a right back. A guy that really caught my eye is called Youssef Atal. Mm-hmm. He's Algerian, 23 years old. Plays right back um, in France. They all do. We only have French right backs, it seems. Or players who play in France, I keep making that mistake. Yusuf Attal is at Nice, and he, he is a right back, right? He does the defensive job, but when he goes forward, he looks like a winger. He's got this sort of uh, step over, left, right, left, right, drop the shoulder, faint, leave you for dead, and then he's away. Zoom. I've got one of those as well. Uh, I've got Davide Calabria, a 23-year-old right back for Milan. Because okay. essentially with Milan being where they are on the table, they don't really know what's going to happen next season. In terms of their manager, they've brought in Zlatan for reasons. <laughs> they feel like a team that you could have some offers come through and strip them apart a little bit. Yep. I looked at Frank Cassie. I don't think he has developed as much as I would have liked to have no, seen. He's in the Network, right? I keep waiting for him to explode. That hasn't quite happened. Ante Rebic is on loan at Milan. I think he could be a, a bargain fine for a club. Oh, but, these aren't right backs, is it? Different, but uh, different but Davide players. Calabria is the 23-year-old Milan right back right that back. I think could be very useful because it's kind of everything you said. He's got the stamina and pace for what he maybe lacks physically, but then is good going forward. He makes smart overlapping runs. He has good crossing ability. He has that sort of like the not low but not high bending ball that sort of is tempting for the goalkeeper to yeah, come yeah. forward, but then bends away and they're never going to get. He hits that one very, very well. A couple more right-back suggestions specifically for Spurs, but also for anyone else who's looking to spend big-ish on a right-back. Um, Nusem Mazraoui. 
This mm-hmm. is the uh, Moroccan. You're just trying to get him out of Ajax so that uh, Serginho Dest will start, aren't you? Kind of, because <laughs> what's happened is Masrawi mm-hmm. was injured for the start of the season. You remember him from the Champions mm-hmm. League run last year, right? Now that Masrawi is back, Dest is kind of mostly out of the Ajax starting eleven. When you watch Masrawi play, you understand why. He is like Serginho Dest, but he's 22, bigger, stronger, maybe a little faster, and definitely more experienced. Right. So mm-hmm. Masrawi, I think, would he's ready for the Premier League. He could absolutely do it in the Premier League, but he would not come cheap, right? Mm-hmm. So Spurs, spend that money, make my year, then Serginho Dest is the starting, starting right back. The only other issue there is that Spurs maybe have found their right back right Who's now. That? We'll see. Uh, Jafet Tanganga started for them uh, this past weekend against no, Liverpool. he's a centre-back who did a job at right back. Hey, Jose Mourinho likes him at right back. I'm and sure allows Serge Aurier to not play right back, so maybe that's <laughs> enough for now. But maybe Masrawi comes in and takes that job long term. <laughs> and I've got one more um, fullback suggestion. This guy's actually been linked with Southampton. Um, Youssef Sabali. Remember this guy? He played for Senegal at the 2018 World Cup. Um, he plays for Bordeaux. He's no, French-born. I do not remember okay. you, you, We probably did talk about him, but we also talked about every single game at mm-hmm. the World Cup. So um, I can understand why. I was busy um, being annoyed with the commentators for <laughs> every Senegal game to pay attention to the names. Yes, we won't mention that commentator's name. French-born, Senegalese international. He's a right-back who can also play left-back. The thing I love about him is his crossing. He mm-hmm. is a great crosser of a ball. He will whip a ball in right onto the head of a teammate. Get this, though from the right with his right foot or from the left with his left foot. And it's equally impressive both sides. Yusef Sabali. Apparently Southampton are linked with him. Um, so you might see him in the Premier League pretty soon. I'll be excited to see him. Plus, when cloning happens, you clone him, now you've got a left sides. back and a right back. You're good yeah. to go. What more do you need? Bertrand and Suarez, Southampton's current fullbacks, <laughs> will not be as excited to see him as I think I am. Uh, yeah, that seems, that seems a fair <laughs> thing to say. Uh, I, that's about it for me with quick hits. Aside from Ante Rebic, I just want to say one more time, out of favor at Milan, could do a job, is on loan, but I think you could get him for cheap and he would do good things because he's got that tenacious... Like, imagine young Wayne Rooney as a winger, and that's kind of what it just like keeps going, can't be knocked off the ball, never really stops running, creates chaos. I like Ante Rebic, and I think a club should as well. So all we uh, should say to wrap up is thank you to everybody who mm-hmm. responded on Twitter and yep. let us know what their team needed. We didn't answer everybody's needs. We hopefully will at some point. We can't solve your needs for you, but we can suggest. We yes. can suggest who might work. That's, that's up to your director of football, assuming, of course, you have one. <laughs> there we go. Um, Sigh. Okay, up next on the Total Soccer mm-hmm. Show, we've got a lot going on. We do. Right? There is still the weekend review to yep. come, the weekend review with Ryan Bailey. And I think it's going to be the first threesome. It's going to be the first time that I'm going to sit in and it's going to be Daryl Taylor yeah. and Ryan Bailey doing the weekend review. That should come out later on Monday. Tuesday, we've got the TSS Derby. It's Wolves Man United. I think this one's at Old Trafford, right? It's Man United Wolves. Um, the FA Cup uh, third round replay. Whoever wins their jersey hangs in the Total Soccer Show office. Listeners, I was giving Daryl the finger the whole time. I took the Wolves jersey home to wash it so that it can take its place nice and fresh uh, starting next week. You've been very good about having replacements up there. There's been a jacket or a sweater up there pretty consistently when the jersey's not there. I feel like you're still holding your shot. <laughs> That's just because it's winter. Sure, sure. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> the other coat hook remains uh, unadorned, unutilized. Yeah. The Wolves jersey, uh, even if it's not there, I feel like is protected at all times. I'll be bringing it in tomorrow uh, just to just to see uh, 
just in case it's needed with a Wolves win. Um, it probably also, will be. Also this week, we're going up to Baltimore for the United Soccer Coaches Convention. And we're going to do um, our second ever in the car mm-hmm. show. Yep. In the What do you call them? An auto show? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Auto show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the I-95 talk show, something like <laughs> yeah, that. I-95 yeah, I-95 talk show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see if we get to drive as fast as we did on the way back from the USA-Cuba game. I'm guessing <laughs> we will not since we'll we, probably be heading up at, in like the evening, yep. probably around rush hour. It's going to take us 17 hours to get there. We absolutely will not. Yeah, so we're excited for the United Soccer yep. Convention as well. So there we go. We've joined the Athletic Podcast Network. We've talked about uh, Brian McBride, mm-hmm. Brandon Savania, Olympic qualifying. We've laid out a bunch of transfer targets. I'm going to call this a pretty successful day. All right. I, I'm, I'm good with that. And then we'll be back uh, in not a few amount of hours yeah. to do our next show with Ryan Bailey, which I'm excited about. Taylor Rockwell, I will close by saying thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon. Very soon.